Welcome to Financial Life Planning. That's right, it's the Mike Morton Podcast, also broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Robeson, with my perennial guest, Mike Morton of Morton Financial Advice, and also the host of the Mike Morton Podcast. Mike, this is like a continual home and home, like one right. week you, you go to one person's arena, then you come back to your home arena. Yeah, I like ping-ponging the hosting duties back and forth. Yeah, I was curious. You're the host, but I want to be the host. Yeah, it is like ping-ponging back and forth. <laughs> Wait, who's hosting whom today? Maybe it's Riverside hosting both of us on our where we're recording yeah. this today. <laughs> Yeah. Regardless, remember it, just wherever you go, there you are. You want to talk about a term. We're going to turn off like half our audience because we're going to introduce a term that sounds too sophisticated. I don't know what it means. And I studied economics in college, but you're going to explain it and why it's useful to us. Dollar cost averaging. Mike, what's dollar cost averaging? Yeah, it's, it's DCA, Matt. Come on, man. <laughs> Keep up with the times. Dollar cost averaging. Isn't that the... Isn't that the Washington, D.C. airport? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's Reagan National now, isn't it? I'll never get over the Reagan part of that. It's really, <laughs> you need that. It's just Facebook. It's cleaner. All right. So dollar cost averaging. Why do we need to know what so that this, is? So let's define the term first, but it's uh, you don't really need to know that. The concept is dollar cost averaging. You're averaging your dollars over time into something. In this case, we're talking about investments. So if you have some money, say you have $1,000, do you lump sum, put that all into the stock market today, or do you put it in a little bit of a, at a time over six months or a year, and that would be your dollar cost averaging because you're averaging, you know, every month you're buying at a slightly different price. And so you get the average of all those prices. So that's where the term comes from. But don't worry about the term. Today's topic oh, is, should you, if you have some money, okay, $10,000 that you would like to get invested in the market, should you put it all in today, lump sum, just pop it in there, buy Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, or should you split it into 10 $1,000 chunks and do it monthly? Every month, I put in $1,000. Which one should you do? And that's today's topic. That's interesting. I, the idea wouldn't have even occurred to me. That's what's weird. It's it, First of all, if I have a chunk of money, I'm probably going to spend it on riotous living. Beyond that, the idea of, yeah, you know. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, you know exactly. The things I yeah, exactly. To. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy time. I might stay up till 10.30. Oh, man. I don't know. It's like that line from old school with Will Ferrell. And he's, we're going to go to Home Depot, maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if we'll have the time. It's a pretty good little Saturday. That's pretty much how I live. All right. Why would you even consider the idea? Again, this no. hadn't even occurred to me. What are the upsides of maybe parceling in your buy-in to the stock market a little bit at a time? Well, yeah, I love it. You've never even thought about this. So if you had $10,000, Matt, would you just... If you had $10,000 to invest in the stock market, what, what would you do? Just pop it in there, right? I would, but be, but for a specific reason, and maybe this is a heuristic, I had just, I've just been so schooled in the idea of what you want to do is get into the market and hold and take a long-term view. So I guess my idea of it would be I'm not going to be that sensitive to six-month price fluctuations or I could get a better price tomorrow because it's all not going to matter that much in 40 years 
of course, at this point, now that I'm middle-aged, we're really talking right. about 20 years. I got to adjust right. my time horizon a little bit. But so I would probably, the answer is I would probably just right. dump it all in. So, all right, if you got that at the, the first of the year in 2022 and you popped it all in there and you're down 20%, doesn't bother you right right now. I mean, we're down, sorry, we're down 20% if you're listening to podcasts, obviously. I'm asking Matt, if you put it in the start of this year, the, the stock market's down 20%. So now it's $8,000, but that wouldn't bother you because you have a 20-year time horizon. Well, also, I'm a masochist, so I'd be like, ooh, <laughs> I'm going to do some tax loss harvesting. Yeah, no, I think I'd okay. probably, I would probably take the zen-like Mike Morton school of thought approach and say, you know what? I'm not even looking at it. I'm just sailing on. Right. So everyone, Matt actually is a robot. All right. He's, he doesn't have emotions. He just, he just does mathematically what is the optimal answer. And Matt, congratulations. I'd like to hand you a prize. You did the mathematically optimal solution, which is you take your $10,000 and you put it into the market today for this, the this reason you said. This is spectacular. This is so yes. great because first of all, I didn't know what we were talking about today. Second of all, you gave me a pop quiz about it. I gave you an answer with absolutely no thought behind it. And you're like, you're brilliant. And also maybe right. a robot. I disagree. <laughs> but the next time we get together for human food, I want to talk about this further. All right, go on. We'll talk about it right now. <laughs> yeah, I blunder into all of my good decisions. This is how I met my wife. It's, oh, hey, do you want to get married to this woman? Yes, I do. She seems yes, fantastic. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, I gave so that, the optimal answer, but some people, that's right. there's a case to be made for not doing yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me. There's a big case to be made for doing the opposite. But let me say a couple, actually, a couple other points that kind of struck me, Matt, when you said that having that 20 or 40 year time horizon is a really interesting way of, of thinking about things. And again, that's really an optimal way when it comes to the market and the stock market and investing. And humans have all different, it's fascinating, we have all different windows of um, time windows for our thought process, mm. okay? Some people only think, you know, a month or a few months in advance. And so they're very susceptible to all kinds of things in that case. Other people do get 10 year and 20 year time horizons. And if you look at the research, the longer your thinking time horizon, the happier you'll be and the better investor that you'll be. Okay, so that's an aside for some other uh, podcast. It's very interesting how we think in different time horizons. All right, but for today, let's get back to today's topic. So Matt is the robot. He did the optimal mathematical solution. because, And the reason it's optimal is because two thirds of the time, the stock market goes up right? And so get your money working earlier. And if you look back at history, since obviously two thirds of the time it goes up, you're better off getting it in there. You know, two thirds of the time you'll make more money. Now, robots, except for Matt. So lots of times we have regret, right? We put in that $10,000 and three months later, it's only worth $8,000. And we just don't feel good about that. And many people have a hard time sticking with the investing if that happens oh my gosh, I feel terrible. I'm checking, you know, every day, every week, it's gone down. It's not going back up. Um, the stock market's rigged, like I'm out of here. And then you really have a bad experience. You never revisit it. Now you're out of the market uh, forever. And that's just not really a good place to be. So <clears throat> the other way of thinking about it is the dollar cost averaging. And that is really a regret minimizing solution to this problem. It's like, I, the way I would think about it mathematically, now that you've actually forced me to think about this topic, is it's sort of a way of hedging, 
right? You're basically, if you string out your purchases over six months, let's say, you're getting the average of those prices and you're hedging. It's like the same way that you diversify your portfolio and it could go up, it could go down a little bit, protecting against your downside risk. You're also lessening your upside potential, but by getting that average price, it's a little bit less volatility, a little bit less beta. Did I say anything like insanely wrong a moment ago? <laughs> I don't know about the word beta. You just threw that in there to make yeah, it sound I smart. Yeah, I did. But I know other letters so, of the Greek alphabet. Just say it. <laughs> just, all right, I, I'm going to work in a few more of them during this podcast. Yeah, sounds like a real Omega <laughs> thing of you to say, dude. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yes. And But the reason why, so you are limiting your upside potentially. Again, two-thirds of the time it goes up. Mm. So if you get in, if you don't put it all in today, two-thirds of the time, you know, you would have wished you did, right? But again, if we're doing it over six months, and we'll, and we'll talk about what time frame would you consider, you know, putting money in over time. Uh, is it six months, 12 months, five years? Uh, if you do it over six months in a 10 or 20-year time window, it's not going to make any difference at all, right? So you're not really limiting your upside in that case. What I really want listeners to do is recognize, I don't, I want you to, I get that $10,000 in the market and I want it to stay there. Okay. And so what's the best way for me to convince you to get it to stay there is again, if you do it all at once and it goes down, I'm concerned you might not, right? You might, you might bail out. Here's the other reason that how I explain it. If we put in $5,000 now and the market goes up, we feel good. We just made money. This is great. I'm ready to put in the other 5,000. I feel really good. Okay. And I put in the other 5,000. If we put in 5,000 today and the market goes down, well, that's good. I get to put in more money at a lower price point. You know, I feel good that I kept 5,000 on the sidelines that I can buy at a cheaper price. So I feel good. So you notice, Matt, no matter what happens in the market, I get to feel good. And since I'm a human with emotions, I want you to feel good about investing so that you stick with it for the long run. And that's often why I average in over a little bit of time. This is, you're tricking us. You're tricking us, Mike, because what you're really doing is what you're saying, you already gave the right answer mathematically, which is do it all at once, do it now. But what you're doing is you want to help us psychologically trick ourselves to feel good either way. You know what's so weird about this is that my robot answer from five minutes ago, I definitely would do that. I don't think I'm just making that up. I really think if I had a chunk of money, I would just invest it all now. But if I really examine my psychological reasoning, there are two things, since this is now all about psychology because we know the math answer, there are two things that right. stand out to me. One is, I think in part, I would put it all in now, not because I'm some kind of an evil genius, but because I'm fundamentally lazy. I don't think I have the discipline <laughs> to remember, oh, in a month, I'm gonna invest another thousand or in a quarter or in two weeks. I want to just get the task done. And that relates to my second observation, which is astute longtime listeners to this show know that we've talked about if you have loans, especially student loan debt hanging over your head, it is quite possible to essentially arbitrage. If you have a loan, if you have a debt that you're paying off at a certain rate, but you can earn more on an investment, then mathematically, it's better for you to maintain the debt and the investment. Don't use your available cash to pay off the debt. Keep it invested. You're making more money that way. But I don't do that. Even though that's the math rational thing to do, if I have the available money, 
I tend to like to pay off the debt because I don't oh, no, I don't Matt, want it hanging doing? over me. I if I can if yeah. I can wipe if I can wipe yeah. something off the books, not like a huge debt, not my house and not like I've ever had the available cash to wipe out like my mortgage. Right. But if I have this actually happened to me in my life. I had something like $20,000 of remaining student loan debt and I just wanted to wipe it out cuz I didn't want to deal with the grind of continuing to pay and having it hang over my head. Anyway, all of which goes back to what you're focused on is not the optimal math outcome, but the optimal psychological outcome. Well, I like my clients to feel good. <laughs> so, you know, so we, we start there. But let me comment on a couple of things. The automation, yes, is very critical to this. So I also do not want you to have to remember, oh yeah, I've got to do another thousand this month and another thousand next month. Now it suddenly sounds like a job and a task and this is terrible. Um, in that case, like, I love your answer, Matt. Yeah, just do it all at once so it's off the books. I don't have to think about it. That's another reason to go ahead and just do a lump sum. You can automate these things. So that's another great way of doing it. Mutual funds in particular are set up this way. Mm -hmm. We've talked about, I'm not a big fan of mutual funds. I prefer the ETFs. But mutual funds, you can... Um, put in, you know, set like, hey, $1,000 a month for the next six months goes from my checking account into this brokerage account, which automatically goes into this right. mutual fund. So you could set that up so it's set it and forget it. On your student loans, Matt, that is, that's already set up. You don't have, like, you pay it, you set up to pay them every month. Uh, but you it's, know, it's, hopefully it's the do knowing. a lot of that online. It's the knowing. <laughs> it's the knowing. Yeah. So, and I'll, and I'll comment on that. So I know a lot of stories from financial advisors and the financial community where they have paid off their mortgage. They know, and this is at 3% mortgage. Wow. 4% wow. mortgage. And they know mathematically, this is terrible. This is like a dumb thing to do because they, they do this every day. They've been doing it for decades, you know, examples. And they still pay it off because of exactly what you said. I just don't want to have that hanging over me. I don't want to have debt. And this is the whole like Dave Ramsey and, you know, advice out there about pay down debt, right? Get out of debt. And I, I'm not arguing with that. If it makes you feel really good, if the debt is psychologically dragging you down and you have the ability, you know, maybe it's a $10,000 student loan um, that you can just wipe out and feel really good. I'm in favor of that. I'll tell you the pros and cons. I do this with my clients. Sure. Like here's the pros and cons, the mortgage and this and that. Listen. Uh, it's not going to, you know, if there's not something I can see that'll come and wipe you out financially and say like, this is just not a good idea for X, Y, or Z, then yeah, pay it off um, and feel really good about not having that debt and being debt free. It's, it's just, it's interesting to me because we talked about the way you named your show financial life planning because only half your job is financial it's like the horse whisperer it's you know you're you whisper to horses but you're not really solving horse problems you're solving people problems and you're not really you're doing financial planning but you're really doing sort of the overall how happy are you with all of this and i guess that's an interesting aspect of this so do you so you're saying that people who are in your line of work actually do the non-mathematically optimal thing because they're doing the happy happiness optimal thing and that's cool. And you yeah. reached that same point with your clients as well. I mean, no one ever woke up in a cold sweat and was like, I need a comprehensive financial plan. <laughs> you know, it doesn't tend to happen. People have like human problems. Like I have a lot of debt and I'm not sleeping well at night and I need some, or I have, I have a lot of cash. 
sitting around. I know I need to get invested somehow. I'm not sure what to do with it. I need, you know, need some help figuring that out. So their financial problems, quote unquote, but why net? You know this better than anybody. Like, why do people make decisions? How do you make a decision? You know, it's all about how it makes you feel. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. That's, look, this is the old joke about why people go to therapists, right? It's to tell them what they already knew and they were finding it too hard to do. And this is why on the rare occasions where people think it's a good idea to come to me for advice, which I assure you right now you shouldn't, I hate giving advice because it's a form of social abuse. It really is. It's your opportunity. (laughs) I just established with the whole Greek letter thing that like, I do like being a know-it-all, but what you're basically doing is hardy har from outside your situation. I know what the right thing is to do. And I'm going to tell you what the right thing is to do. And what's worse is, you know what the right thing to do is already, but for good and sufficient reasons, you don't want to do it. And so you're coming to me for a psychological out. I'm not going to provide you one. I'm going to rub it in your face by telling you the right thing to do. I hate it. I hate being in that position because then people don't follow your advice and then inevitably they regret it and then they resent you. This is your entire line yeah, of work, Mike. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Good job. Here, I'll, I'll let you into a little secret and then I promise you we're going to get back on topic with a couple other all right, points. All right. I'll let you into a little secret though. You're exactly right. People already have the answers. My job is not to give them the answers. My job is to help them sort out what those answers are and how they're going to implement them. Well, you know what? That's extraordinarily valuable. So um, good job. All right, all right, all right. Back on track. So we'll do that. So we'll do that some other time. So dollar cost averaging. So another question would be like, all right, I have ten thousand. I do like this idea of of getting in in a couple of chunks because I want to feel good. You know, minimizing regret. Mm. So I put in a little bit now, and if it goes up, I feel good. I just made money. If it goes down, I feel good because I've got some money sitting on the sidelines to to get in. So either way, I'm feeling pretty good. How long should I, you know, what kind of time frame should I do with these things? So typically I start at about a year, depending on the size. I mean, if we're talking 10,000 and that's a very, you know, say that's a small percentage of your overall portfolio, I might say, you know, three chunks over three months. I see. You know, we'll just kind of get in, you know, pretty quickly, right? But a lot of times people have built up, you know, 50,000 or even 100,000 of cash over one or two years. And they're like, hey, it's a pretty big chunk, you know, is now a good time for getting into the markets. Um, and so I might say, let's do that over 12 months. We'll do it in three, three chunks over 12 months. We'll do a third now, a third in six months, and a third a year from now. And do people come to you <clears throat> seeking that kind of, are people a little bit more skittish when we've gone through a period of high volatility and even bearish periods in the market like we saw in 2022? Yeah, it's interesting. When things are volatile, people are skittish. Also, actually, when things are going really well, I mean, I've met a uh, you know a lot of clients coming in, you know, the end of last year, uh, going into this year, and it's kind of like, should we get in the market now? They've been watching; it's been going up and up and up, you know. So there was a lot of that as well. So luckily, this year is a, is a good year for getting in. I mean, anytime the market's down by ten or twenty percent. You know, this is a time that you might want to lump sum a little bit more. Now we're up a little bit from the from the lows over the summer. <clears throat> you know, I have no idea. As always, I have no idea where we're going from here. Uh, right now, I'm kind of uh, 
going up or down from here. So if you find yourself in a situation that you're putting some money to work, you could lump sum it now. I would have no problem with that, of course, we talked about. Mm. But if you wanted to do it, I'd do it pretty short term. I would do it over the next six months. You do want to either do one of two things. One, set yourself an exact time frame, like on the first of the month. I'm going to do over six months, six chunks uh, on the first of the month. So just the first of the month, make sure you do it. Automate it mm. or set a calendar reminder. Always do it the same. Don't second guess. You can't second guess and be like, ooh, man, the market just went up for the last three days. I'll, I'll wait a few days. Right. Nope. Right. Do it you're on the first of the month every you're, time. You're going to bite yourself that way. Right. Yeah, yeah. You'll just be sitting on the sidelines forever. So definitely do that. Or sometimes I'm a little opportunistic the other way. Like, oh, it's coming up the first of the, like if I'm watching the markets, um, it's coming up the first of the month, but geez, we just terrible week. You know, it's gone down six or 8% this week. I might go ahead and preload and do it, accelerate it. So in other words, if the market is going down, you could accelerate your investment. Say, geez, it's already gone down. I'm, I'm buying at a lower price now. Let me go ahead and get more of my money to work. I All of this is just reminding me of how much, it's just ironic that I do this show with you because I hate watching the market because I know, and we've talked about the fact that no good comes of it. Why is mm -hmm. it valuable? Like you're not going to, if you try to time things in any kind of a micro way, you're going to, 80% of the time, you're going to hurt yourself, right? You're going to cost yourself money by trying to outtime the market. And it only causes stress. And if it's gone up, then it's going to feel ephemeral. And you just said to your clients after a period when things have gone up, they're just as skittish as during a period of high volatility. <laughs> anyway, this is my PSA once again for the idea of just take a super long-term view. On that note, any other things we should cover about dollar cost averaging? Yeah, just one other small point. Uh, this is if you have some money you're trying to get to work. If this is money you already have invested, you're rebalancing, especially if you're you know, in some high cost funds and you're trying to get some lower cost funds, just do that all at once. You know, So if you're already invested in the market and you're doing some tweaking or rebalancing, you know, don't you don't need to average that. Just do that all at once. This is really, you know, if you're getting into uh, the market with some money, uh, this might be a strategy uh, that makes sense I for you. I see. All right. I have to say, that was interesting. And I didn't think when like we started with the idea of, well, we have the answer. I thought we were in for, and that's the end of financial life planning with Mike Borden. Turns out there's a lot more to it. And I, I really see where we're coming from. All right. I think if we've learned nothing else in this episode, it's that this show is all a gigantic Turing test for me. And apparently I'm failing. <laughs> I am not able to establish my humanity Thanks for making me feel great about myself, Mike Morton of Morton Financial Advice and Financial Life Planning. We'll do this again next time. <laughs> it's good to be here, Matt. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or mortonfinancialadvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.